So really, we should be like that all the time when we approach him because we know we need him. Amen? I want to show you guys a picture, Nate, if you would throw it up on the screen. That is my family. Hopefully it's obvious that that is not present day. That's my mom, Fern, on the left. It's my dad, Hiram, on the right in the pink polo. Let me tell you, Hiram used to rock a pink polo, and he might still if I asked him to. And that's my twin sister, Erin, on the left looking at the camera. Erin is a photographer um, today in real life, and so it's no surprise that she is fixated on the camera when she noticed it. It was probably a disposable because that had to be in, I want to say, 1996 we're looking at. And then that's me tucked right there behind my dad. I really love that picture. There's a prayer that we used to say every night, almost every night as kids. And it went something like this. It was, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. See me safely through the night and wake me in the morning light. And then there was this part that I don't fully understand, or maybe I got it wrong. It said, God bless mom, dad, Aaron, and Lauren, and God bless all the children of the world for being with us always. Amen. Now, I can't tell you why we ended a prayer and thanked all of the children of the world for always being with us, because as far as I'm concerned, the only person who's omnipresent is the Lord. So I don't know how all the children of the world were with us at all times and why we thank them for it, which makes me think I was wrong about the prayer. I was saying it wrong my whole life, basically. But nonetheless, I called my mom last week and I said, Mom, you remember that prayer we said as kids? She said, yeah. And she she recalled it as she remembered it. And I said, but what about that end part about the kids? She was like, Lauren, I don't remember the saying that part. So I, was, I clearly got it wrong. But she said something after that that has stuck out to me. It's been ringing in my ears all week. She said, Lauren, the reality is when you're a child and your father instructs you in how to pray and he leads you in a prayer, you don't have to understand it. You just do it. When you're a child and your father leads you in a way to pray, you might not fully get it. You might not know what it all means, but you just do it. And that to me sounds like the definition of simple, unquestioned trust. And to be honest, what I've learned in this series as we've gone through the Lord's prayer is that there are areas of my life where I don't have that kind of trust in Jesus. There are still areas in my life where I don't fully trust that I will have what I need when I need it. See, what's been happening to me as I pray this prayer are a few really stunning things. One is that when we say the words, our father, I'm reminded that just like Jesus hoped that he would model for us, that we have a father who we don't have to question. 
A father who knows our needs before we even express them or think them. He knows, he gets it, he actually understands, and he is always desiring to work on our behalf. I love later after the Lord's Prayer, it says that if you who are evil, when your children ask for bread, would not give them a stone, how much more does your father want to give to you? We don't have to question his character, his nature, or his desire to give to us. And then after it's our father, the prayer continues and says, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So not only is he a father of your enemy, of the person who offended you, of the nations, of someone who you disagree with, he's holy. Which makes the fact that he would desire to father us that much sweeter because he's other than, he's set apart, he's perfect and sinless and matchless and seated on a throne in eternal glory. And yet he says, I'm your dad. And I love that. And then after it says, hallowed be your name, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what happens when I pray that, and I hope you felt it when you pray that, is heaven's priorities are beginning to come, become my priorities. Because the kingdom of God is a realm, it's a spiritual realm, where in which Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit, the Trinity, rule and reign, which means they call the shots. Which means whatever is important to the kingdom is important to me. Whatever is important to the Lord in this scripture is what's now important to me. What consumes the way I think and spend my money and my time and how I navigate my relationships and the way that I treat people. I want his kingdom, his heavenly kingdom to be here on earth. And I'm reminded when we pray that, that we as his children get to actually be the agents of his kingdom, his eternal heavenly kingdom being spreading here on earth. So it's our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then in verse 11, we're just gonna go right there. Are you guys cool with that? Last time I was up here preaching, I didn't get to the scripture until about 40 minutes in. We are not gonna do that today in Jesus' name. So we'll go right to the text. It says after that, verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. And this is the place in the prayer where a request is introduced. And notice that the request, the ask that Jesus models for us is positioned in a very specific place. Before we ask him for anything, we acknowledge that he's a father who cares and we align ourselves with his kingdom and what he wants and what he cares about. And then we ask for whatever we came to ask for. Here's what I've noticed as I've leaned into this prayer. Eric talked the first week about how for many of us, prayer has just been a place where we ask where we come and we expect to bring our petitions and our prayers and our concerns. And obviously God loves that. But what Eric reminded us of is that many of us have only come to ask. And that prayer should also be a place where we enjoy God's presence, where we enjoy relationship with him, where we commune with him, where we come just to come, just to be with him, just to hear his voice, just to experience him. And so some of us in this room heard that and the, the revelation or the realization was, man, I've been reaching into his hand, hoping that something was in it. Maybe I need to start grabbing his hand just to feel his grasp, not looking for anything. 
Maybe for some of you, this idea of daily bread, of daily dependence is a reach for him and just him. Because you're always asking for your needs, which is beautiful, but it's not the only reason that we pray. He's the means and the end. For others, if you're like me, what's been so troubling and so convicting to me is that I've had to confront the fact that that I'm good with the abiding part. I'm good with the basking part. I'm good with just sitting with him to sit with him. But to bring my pressing, most urgent needs before him is very difficult for me to do. When I can't pay a bill, I don't find that the first place I go is on my knees in prayer. I've been experiencing very intense health issues. And when I'm in that kind of pain, I've been in it for 10 years. When I'm on my bathroom floor, the first name that I call out is not always his. When people around me have dealt with addictions and and situations and strongholds in their lives, and it feels like all we've done is pray, sometimes I hit a wall and I stop asking. Can I ask you, have you ever in your life had a situation that you haven't immediately brought to him? That you don't know how to bring to him anymore, so you stopped. For me in my life, what I've had to realize when I look at that prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is that sometimes my most pressing physical needs, I don't bring to him because I have this fear that no matter what, I'm not gonna have what I need when I need it. And as his daughter, as his friend, as his kid, man, I hate that I feel that. I hate that I still have some unbelief and some doubt that he's going to be who he said he was going to be. I hate it, but it's true. And the thing about the kingdom, the thing about the rule and the reign of Jesus is under his rule and reign. Our weakness and our fear is no longer our shame. It's our honor. There's so many relationships where you feel like you can't bring your need because you don't know what it's going to be met with. And can I tell you and can I tell myself again that, that in the kingdom, the currency is your need. And if we deny that sometimes we don't believe, sometimes we don't even ask for our daily bread or we don't believe that we're going to get it. If we deny that, we forsake our inheritance as his children. Whenever we choose to say, I'm going to stop asking because I haven't seen the breakthrough. I haven't sensed the need. I haven't seen the provision. When we do that, we say, hey, God, I don't need you to be my dad today. And I need him to be my dad. I need him to be my father. This phrase, give us this day our daily bread. What, what Jesus wanted us to understand was that the Father is the source of our physical and our spiritual needs every single day. 
He doesn't want prayer to be a Hail Mary for us that I'm just so deep in it and we've gone so far down the path that I got to throw you one. I got to get on my knees. I got to fast. I got to call in the troops. What he wanted to invite us in too was daily dependence on our source. And what I believe he wants to call our church, our spiritual family, each of us into is a new depth of dependence on him, in him. And for some of you, that's kind of weird to hear because you think, man, when I wake up, I know there's going to be gas in my car. There's going to be milk in the fridge. There's going to be water running through the pipes. The lights are going to be on. I have what I need. I don't really have to depend on anybody. And further than that, some of you in this room, when you see the things, the food on the table, where you can really say to yourself is, man, I worked my tail off for my education. I busted my way through college. I paid the bills. I made it happen. My intellect got me here. My connections got me here. My ability to hustle got me here. My strong work ethic got me here. My creativity got me here. And that, in essence, is the definition of pride. The psalmist says that it's he who opens up his hand and satisfies the desires of every living thing. So maybe you partnered with him in seeing that thing come to pass, but don't get it twisted. He provided it for you. Because if the sun didn't rise every single day and shine down on the plants that grew and that were fertilized and that sprang up from the ground, they couldn't feed the animals that somebody took their truck to gather up and put at the grocery store so you could buy it with the money that you earned and put it on your table. It all comes from him. It all stems back to him. If he didn't grace you with a right mind to be able to hit the books when you were in school, you would not have been able to get that degree. If he didn't safely bring your child into this world, they wouldn't be here. You are not only the product of your gifts and your talents and your ability. You are here because of him, which means he is your source. And which means if you've lived in a place of pride or prayerlessness and you're under the impression you did it, the invitation is that you would begin to pray, God, give us, give me this day my daily bread. And for you, that bread might be spiritual bread. Maybe your physical needs are met and maybe there's a deeper dependency on him, on his presence, on his power that you haven't even tasted or seen or even walked in because you haven't asked him for it. Give us this day our daily bread. This is where the playing field gets leveled because for all of us, our greatest need is Jesus. For others in this room, if you're like me, you can hold on to his hand all day, but sometimes you don't expect that when he opens it, you're going to find anything. So the invitation is to lean in. Give me this day, my daily bread. Give us, give my neighbor, give the nations, give the folks in our country who don't have running clean water right now. Give us our daily bread today. And if, if you're like me, what we have to begin to believe and understand according to what Jesus modeled is that we can trust that we will have what we need when we need it. Because he is our source. 
He is our father. Can I ask you in your life right now, where do you find yourself? Do you find yourself in a place of thinking that you have everything you need and yet you've forsaken your greatest need, which is him? If that's you, Father, I pray even right now that you would impress on hearts to lean into daily dependence on you. Reveal that in this room in the way that only your spirit can. And if you're like me and you just need to ask him for the things you need to ask him for, God, would you give us courage to lean into our need? This idea of daily bread, it didn't come from nowhere. It first appears in Exodus 16, to my knowledge. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole book. And the Lord's been talking to me about bread, specifically about this word manna for months. I didn't know why. I do love bread. I don't buy it a lot. You won't really find it in my cabinet because I do try to do the whole gluten-free thing, whatever that means. But the reality is, if you take me to Texas Roadhouse tomorrow and you put that basket of rolls in front of me and whatever that magical honey butter is, listen, I will eat the whole thing by myself. I really will do it. Or like fresh baked sourdough. I just don't have like the patience for the starter and the yeast. And what if I get the balance off and then the whole, you know, you get, you get what I'm saying. Nonetheless, Exodus 16 is where this idea of daily bread is introduced, where God provides something called manna. He's been opening up this story to me. I've had friends who've had dreams about me with bread in them. Like God's really been trying to hone it in. And this is what happens in the story. The children of Israel have been delivered from Egypt and they're walking through the wilderness. Now they're free, they're good. And they find themselves in the desert, in the wilderness, a place called the wilderness of S-I-N. It looks like sin, that word, but it's pronounced seen. So they're walking through the wilderness of seen and the Hebrew word for seen is the place. This is what the spirit showed me. And I think it's pretty mind blowing as you have this group of, of Israelites and they're walking through the wilderness and they don't have bread and they don't have meat and they start to panic. And they look at Moses and Aaron who are leading them through the wilderness and they say, God should have just left us where we were because we had our fill of bread and meat. We were good. We were full. Our bellies were satisfied. We were straight. We wish he would have left us there. See, what happens when we're in lack, when we feel like we don't have what we need, is we start to accuse God and we start to panic. Have you ever, have you ever done that? You're like, where is it coming from? God, if you saw me, if you got it, it would be here. It would be on the table. And what's crazy is that in the, in the moment in the wilderness of feeling like they weren't seen, I don't think it's a coincidence that the place that they were in was called the wilderness of seen. I think that's God saying in your moment, in your lack, in your depravity, that's where I see you. When it feels like you're in the desert and I've cut you off and I don't care, you're in the wilderness of the place where I see you. Just lock eyes with me. So they travel through the wilderness and they complain and complain. And then the Lord speaks to Moses. And he says, behold, I will cause bread to rain from heaven for you. 
The people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day so that I might test them to determine whether or not they will trust me. Right in the midst of their complaining, a promise comes. Right in the midst of their panic and fear and questioning, God gives them a promise. Again, he says, if you who are evil, when your children ask, if you won't give them a stone, but give them bread, how much more will I give? And here we find him saying, behold, I will cause bread to rain from heaven for you. And then it says that Moses and Aaron said to all of Israel, in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord for he hears your murmurings against him. You know, the scripture that says that his kindness leads us to repentance right there. And they're complaining. God said, Hey, I acknowledge they're complaining and I'm going to provide. I think that's his kindness leading us to trust. Cause when we feel like we're in lack and then he comes in with a promise, it's like, oh, Lord, I was accusing you. I had turned my back on you. I didn't, I was doubting you and I want to move to trust. I want to turn and repent and move a different way toward trust. And then Moses says, this is what will happen when the Lord gives you meat in the evening and in the morning bread to be satisfied. He gives them instructions. He says, every single day you will wake up, you will step outside and you will pick up manna, bread, provision from the ground. And there was another stipulation given. He said, every morning you have to go get it and you can only get enough for that day. He said, if you go outside and you start storing up the manna, the bread from heaven, because you're scared there won't be any tomorrow, guess what's going to happen once you eat past the point that, that's enough, that's your fill, it will rot. So God, in giving provision and instruction to the Israelites, he says two things. One, you have to take a step. You have to wake up every morning and trust in your heart and grab it. And two, you can't get more than you need. What, what he was trying to identify and instruct us in was, hey, posture yourself and trust to receive the blessing that I'm going to give. And also, don't have a plan B. Don't out of fear that you won't have what you need when you need it. Go try to find another source. Trust me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I had a moment just keeping it real couple weeks ago and I caught wind of some things that had been said about me that were not true. And I went to the Lord and he opened up the Psalms to me and reminded me of David and how he vindicated David. And he told David who he was in him. And I'm in my house worshiping. I mean, literally later that day, I was like, Carrington, the Lord gave me this song about like, and it's just, and, and the Lord's just speaking to me and all these things, right? I felt great. You know what I did after that? I went and texted a whole bunch of people to clear my name, to make sure we were good to make sure there was understanding and to make sure whatever was floating around, they weren't going to buy into it about me. That was me storing up the manna. He's my source. He'd already told me how he felt about me. He'd already told me he was going to take care of it. He'd already told me we were good. And I, but, but for me, approval was my bread in that moment. My source was, no, I got to hear it from my friends. I got to know we're good. I got to know what they think about me. In that moment, the bread of his word, of his presence, of his provision, it was not enough for me. 
And I lived that out. And the scripture says that, that it rots. Do you know that when I went home that day, after having all those conversations, I felt a gaping physical hole in my gut because I was not satisfied with my plan B because it was not meant to satisfy me. The approval of people can never be my bread. So I don't know what it is for you in this room. If there's a place where God is trying to father you, he's trying to be your source. He's trying to fill you. He's trying to provide physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is. If you've chosen something else, you will feel that gaping hole. You will be left unsatisfied. And the beautiful part is we fast forward and the Israelites, they, they go outside and they see something that looks like dew. It's as fine as frost on the ground, the scripture says. It looks like cotton and it's all over the ground when they wake up. And when they walk outside, they pick it up you know what they say? They say, what is it? The word manna, the word for bread, the word for provision literally means, what is it? Sometimes you're asking God for provision to come through and, and what he gives you, what he blesses you with is unrecognizable to you. Maybe you need a way to get to work and you've been on your hands and knees fasting, praying for a car and you get a bus pass and you say, what is it? I asked for a car. Maybe you have sown in tears for years to conceive a child and God brings about adoption instead and you say, what is it? This isn't what I asked for. Maybe you've desired to be married for your whole life and yet you have this beautiful community around you but not a spouse and you say, what is it? Maybe you wanted to make 100,000 at the job and you're making 64 and you say, what is it? Maybe you've been asking for the gift of tongues and he's given you the gift of hospitality. What is it? It's all provision and it's all from his hand. And what we get to do in that moment is, is go back to what he said. Behold, look around you. I will cause rain. I will cause bread from heaven to rain down and that's for you. This is what I think is so beautiful about the Lord's prayer and the way that Jesus modeled for us is, is that the ask, the request is positioned. So when we understand, when we go into the place of prayer, into the place of specifically asking, one, that we have a father who cares, who loves us and is for us. Two, we align our requests with his kingdom come. Your will be done. Whatever is loose in heaven, loose it on earth. Whatever is bound in heaven, bind it on earth. That means if it's up there, I want it here. If it's not, I don't. And that's very difficult when we have an idea of what the manna should be. But when we align ourselves with his goodness, and we surrender and we trust him, we find that we do indeed have what we need when we need it.
So no matter where you find yourself today, my hope is that we would be a people who every single day in plenty and in lack, reach for him, acknowledge him, give us this day our daily bread. That if we have everything tangibly that we need, that we understand that our greatest need is him. And that if we have this understanding that his presence and his power and his love and his friendship and relationship with him are our greatest need, that therefore we then can bring him our everyday needs too. He wants both. He wants to be your bread, your all in all, your only source, your sufficiency in your physical and your spiritual needs. And my prayer and my hope is that we would be a church who chooses daily dependence. Do you know that that's why we gather every Wednesday night and pray and worship? Because we wanna be a people who pursue his presence every single day in lack and in plenty because when we pursue our daily bread, we're pursuing him. And we all need him. Your worship leader doesn't need him more than than you. Your pastor doesn't need him more than you. Your super spiritual like guru friend doesn't need him more than you. Every human, Jesus said, if you're gonna pray, ask for daily bread, ask for more of me, ask for my presence, ask for my power, ask for my friendship, ask for relationship, ask for me to open up my word to you. And if you are under the impression that you don't every single day need him to be your bread, your life, your manna, my friend, I would ask if you are truly saved, if you're truly living in relationship with him, because that was Adam and Eve. They were like, we got it. We can pull this apple off this tree. We straight. We don't need you. And that's what caused the separation in the distance was their idea that they had everything they needed, that they were good. That's called pride. And pride comes before a fall. So tenderly, I would say to you, gently, I would say to you, that if you're not living from a posture of dependence, belief that Jesus is the one who paid the ultimate price for your greatest need ever, which was relationship with him, for your greatest need, which was dependency on him and his body broken and his blood poured out to redeem, to reconcile, to restore your relationship with him, I would say, begin to pray, give me, give us our daily bread. He wants to be everything to you. And he is. It's just a matter of, are we gonna lean into daily dependence? Are we gonna seek him? Or are we gonna stay content with what we got because we believe it's enough? And if we stay there, are we forsake being fathered, being shepherded and inheriting what we were made for, which is him. So friends, in a posture that the Israelites took every single morning, waking up, and going for bread, reaching for bread, I wanna invite you in your own time to come and take communion today. We have tables scattered throughout. There's also one over there in the corner and there's one over there in the corner. 
And what this is, is, is it's a response. It's a declaration to your own heart and soul and to the one who made you that you are gonna posture yourself every day in pursuit of him who is your bread. In pursuit of him who is your greatest need above all of your needs. They had to every day wake up and reach for it and grab it and possess it. They didn't make it happen. They didn't provide it, but they did have to reach for it. In our lives, we have to pursue him in his presence. If we want him, we have to go after him together. And so that's what this is. It's posturing yourself to do that. You can do it in your own time. And I just wanna pray a prayer of surrender, a prayer of dependence. We're not gonna formally lead through communion. You can take it in your own time, in your own way with the Lord, whenever you're ready. But would you just bow your heads with me? Father, you are the hunger and you are the bread. You are our need and you are the one who meets our needs. And I ask you today for for this company of believers, for this spiritual family, I pray that we would be more dependent than we have ever been on you. I pray that we would be more aware than ever that you are our source, that you are our strength, that you are the one who provides. You are the one that opens up your hand and satisfies the desires of every living thing. I pray that if we don't already live that way, that we would begin to today. I pray for a greater hunger and desire for your word, for your kingdom, for your presence, for your ways, for relationship with you. Would none of us think that we have it, that we're good? Would we just renounce pride in this room? God, I renounce self-sufficiency in this room. I renounce idolatry in this room. I renounce independence on this room. And would none of us forsake our inheritance to be fathered, to be provided for, because we stop asking you. God, I pray we believe, but help our unbelief in this room. Help us to believe that you are the bread, that you are our source, that you are everything. And would we live like that's true? Would we every single day go get manna, go after your presence, seek you with everything that we have because we understand that you are our source. Let us not be a prideful church. Let us not be a church so content with her wealth and her comfort and her stability that she misses the fact that her source is Jesus. Her bridegroom is Jesus. Her provision is Jesus. Her sufficiency is Jesus who meets her need, who fills her need, who is her greatest need. That's the kind of church we want to be. Help us, Lord. Help us. God, I renounce fear in this room, the fear of embarrassment or shame in your need. God, I pray that we would show up for you and for ourselves and for your presence, even in worship, in ways that cost us something because we're that desperate for you. We say that no longer would this church be a place where people are caught in their pride or their fear or their embarrassment or their shame. Your desperation for Jesus is never shameful. It's your honor. It's your glory. It's your seal as children. God, let us not be slaves to fear, but let us be children of God. We love you. We break the bread and we drink the wine and we remember that you are our bread. It's in your name that we pray.
Desperate for you If I didn't 
represented in this room for every breakthrough desired in this room would you be bread would you be the source would you be the means would you fill we do come to you with every need I pray for anyone in this room struggling with addiction that you would find in him your daily bread for anyone in this room struggling to leave a difficult or dangerous situation. I pray that you would find in him your daily bread. I pray for anyone who needs a physical need met, for food to be on the table, for water to be running in your home, for the lights to be on, for provision for your children, for clothes on your back, for shoes on your feet. Would you find him to be the source of life for you? Would he be your bread? And would he put your bread on the table? And God, we bring not only the requests and the needs of of ours, but the needs of the nations. We pray for every orphan, for every widow, for every one who is fatherless, for those in the nations who don't have clean running water, for the kids that we're packing meals for. We say, be their bread and give them bread. And God, would you help us to be bread for those around us who need it? moments like these where you come and you meet us we get a taste of the kingdom that's to come we get a taste of your faithfulness we are reminded that you show up every single time two or more gather and that is our daily bread and we say thank you help us to walk further into daily dependence to pursue you to run into your presence to reach into your hand just to feel your grasp and to reach for your hand, believing that there's something in it when we need it. Thank you. 
friends, can we end and say the Lord's prayer together? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we know that his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Friends, it's really good to be with you today, to break the bread, to drink the wine, the juice. And my prayer is that the Lord would reveal to you over and over again this week that he is your bread and that he would also give you the courage and the grace and the desperation to reach for manna every single day on the ground. Amen. We will continue to pray on Wednesday nights. That's forever. That's not just for the month. And so um, we encourage you to come worship, pray. We love you. We bless you. And we pray you have a great week.